Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. Welcome, welcome. So I was, I saw that a friend of mine yesterday got to interview someone and we're going to put the picture on the screen. And my friend is on the right named Sean Palmer. He is a teaching pastor at Ecclesia Houston, and he got to interview Anthony Ray Hinton yesterday. Now, why I was very um, excited about this was that this week I have been digging in. I've been digging in on our theme and reading about so many different stories of people who have had, had, to face, had to face hatred, had to face enemies, had to deal with a burden of how to react to someone, to show love to someone, to forgive someone. And those are big things. And this man, Anthony, he is one of the people that I thought of because... Hi. Because he was in the book, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, and his story was shared there. Anthony spent 30 years on death row, and he didn't even commit the crime. In 2015, he was finally exonerated with the help of the Equal Justice Initiative, and that was founded by Brian Stevenson, who is an attorney and the author of Just Mercy. And if you have never read the book, I encourage you to at least see the movie. It is a very good depiction of these stories. So that is what Brian's mission is, is to help people um, who didn't commit the crimes that they were convicted for. Video of my friend's interview with Anthony hasn't been released yet. It just happened yesterday. So I'm going to quote from an interview that he conducted back in 2018 when Anthony's own book came out called The Sun Does Shine. Anthony was wrongfully convicted of murder after a racially biased prosecutor presented faulty evidence. Anthony's own defense team disregarded and disrespected him. And this is what the detective who charged Anthony told him. Let me be honest with you. I truly believe you didn't do it. But since y'all folk is always taken up for one another, why don't you take this rap for your homeboy who truly did it? He was faced with injustice. And Anthony said he spent the first three years in prison just in anger and silence. He didn't want to communicate with anyone and he didn't want to communicate with God because he thought, why did this happen to me? And so he just kind of shut everybody out for a while. But after some years, he said he just, he got tired of looking at himself in the mirror and not being who he truly was. And he realized that the only way he could get back to who he was and to live up to his own joy, to live up to to his own hope was to forgive. But he said, I didn't know how to do that. He said that he had learned about forgiveness and God from his mom. Here's a quote. My mother used to always tell me there will be people who dislike you simply because of the color of your skin and you haven't done anything to them. They just don't like you. And these are the people that you still need to pray for. These are the people that you are still to love regardless of how they treat you. I cannot fathom 
the journey that Anthony went on. That's no small task. He said, I prayed that God would remove the hatred that I had in my heart for these racist white men. And I will not see her here and tell you that he did it overnight. But I can tell you, eventually, at some point, at some time, I began to smile again. And I didn't forgive them so that they could sleep good at night. I forgave them so that I could sleep good at night. And I believe in order to be truly free, one must forgive. Anthony's life is like the complete opposite experience of mine in every way. But the one thing we share is that we believe that the words in here are true and that Jesus had an example of love that goes beyond anything that we can do on our own humanly. And that is to look into the eyes of someone who's done wrong to us and to somehow show godly love and have a little hope. We are all called to do that. And we're going to read about it in Luke chapter 6 today. If you want to make your way there or we're going to have the verses on the screen with us today. We've been in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. We've been looking at the early ministry of Jesus. And just last week, Jesus began a sermon. He was on a mountainside. And picture that he has a big crowd. He's got people who are skeptical of him. He's got people who are curious about him. He's got people who are, have already made that decision. They're dedicated. They are, they are with him all the way. And that's who's listening to his words. And last week, he talked about some blessings and some woes. And he said, the way I see you, the way God sees you, is not always the way the world sees you. And we had a little fun with our Halloween costumes. Thanks for participating. This week, we're going to read more from that sermon. So let me read for us Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say... Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. These are probably some familiar words. Maybe people have said them to you before, wanting you to listen to them. Maybe this is the part you skim over real fast because that's real hard to do, so we're just going to keep moving, and if we read really fast, we'll get past it. But some people, some people have used these words to harm. Some people have twisted these words, taken them out of context, Maybe they misunderstood them, or maybe they manipulated them. But I think we all have heard these words probably used as a weapon sometimes. Maybe. So I want us to look at what they are not, what Jesus is not saying, so we can look at what he is. So first of all, clearly, right up front, Jesus is not approving abuse. The the turn-the-other-cheek scenario, this is not, in any context, Jesus approving abuse. Okay? That's it. I want to make sure we are all clear on that. And it's sad that we have to say that, but we know people in the church who have used this against other people. That's not what he's saying here. In this context, in this cultural example, 
A strike to the cheek was a moment of humiliation. It was a person trying to egg somebody on. It was a power play. And how I like visualize what is being said here is this, this moment of strength that someone would turn and say, okay, what else do you got? Because they're not falling for that humiliation. They're looking at the person and saying, what's going on in your heart that you think you have to strike me? This is a moment of power. This is a moment saying, I know who I am. Do you want to try it again? It's meant to humble that person. And and I don't, it doesn't say stand here and keep standing there, does it? I think it's a moment. And then I think the person moves on. I, I don't see that anyone is being asked to stay in a scenario where they're going to be physically or verbally abused again and again. Okay? I want us all to be clear on this. And I want to say, if anyone here has been told that, it is a lie. If you are hearing these words and you are in a situation where someone is harming you, please get out and get help. Call on us. We're here. We're here for you. And I, it says Jesus, he said to pray for those who mistreat you, right? You can pray from afar. I want you in safety, and I think God wants you in safety. And our, our willingness to do good for someone who has harmed us, it doesn't have to keep us in that space. Is that all clear? We're, we make sense? Because I want us to hear that. Because I believe that people have used these words to force people to stay, to make people feel guilty to stay in places they shouldn't have stayed. And I want us safe. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, we've heard about love, love being patient and kind, right? But love also does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And if someone is harming and delighting in evil, then you can speak truth. But you can speak from afar. You can get out and away first and then speak that truth to them. Because love also hopes and it also protects And so you can hope for someone to change, but you can be protected at the same time. So next, what does this mean? What Jesus is saying. I think he's showing that we need to live in such a way that we shine something different in the face of hate. And I think that's really hard to picture right now. Because it just feels like everyone is filled with hate against someone right now. People who believe in Jesus and not, no one seems to be living this out right now. But blessing instead of cursing someone is to not say everything that you think inside. You don't have to have that last word. But you're hoping for change. Another thing that I don't think this is, I think it's not advice to become an enabler. This says like to give a coat and a shirt And then this this could have been talking about everything from a Roman soldier who could have walked up to any of these Jewish citizens and taken something from them. A tax collector, we've already talked about. They can ask for more than what they were supposed to ask for. A person begging on the street could have asked them for help. It's about letting go 
And it's again, it's about an active non-retaliation. I have read this phrase this week from one of these, uh, a Bible scholar who said, all of these are active non-retaliations. And so what I see here is that it's a confidence that God is going to provide. That if someone asks something of you, that you can trust that God sees your response in the moment. And then when you give away, you can trust that God is going to provide for you still. Now, I do believe we need to be in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus told his disciples to be shrewd as serpents, innocent as doves. He said to be on your guard. And I think we have to have discernment in situations. If you have given over and over to someone you love dear, and if they are using those resources in a way that's harming them, then it's no longer generous, is it? That's, that's enabling some extra hurt. So I think there's times where we give in different ways. We still give, but we're giving to help, not hurt. And that's tricky because it's, that's a lot of gray, right? That's asking us to use a lot of our own wisdom. But I believe that God guides us. I believe he guides us, and I believe we are still to give. We are not. We can't ignore that, but we have to look around and give in a way that's caring to others. Now, Jesus' words here, the bottom line is you're supposed to be actively doing good, even in small ways. So maybe this week, just a simple act of kindness towards someone you really don't like at work or someone you really just don't want to have to deal with in your neighborhood. But be willing to do small acts of kindness for others this week. Take one step forward. Now, let's look in verse 32, because why are we doing this? So what? Jesus is laying out a big task before us. Why does it matter? Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. You will be called children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful." I don't think Jesus is slamming on sinners here because I think we saw the way he acted around people labeled sinners, right? He invited them into discipleship. He loved them. He forgave them. He ate meals with them. So I don't think he's saying that. I'm saying, I think he's looking and he's saying, okay, if you're good to those who are good to you, if you're lending to those who you know you're going to get back, that's great. That is obedience. That's basic kindness. Now what? Take the next step. I'm calling you to do more. I think he's like, look, we can all be doing good deeds and we're all still sinners. Well, not Jesus. He's not saying we in that instance. We. But I think he's looking and saying, look, if you want to go to the next level, I need you to step, step here. Even when it's difficult. I love the way that the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright summarized it. 
He said Jesus' point was not to provide his followers with a new rule book. Not a list of do's and don'ts that you could tick off one by one and sit back satisfied at the end of the successful moral day. The point was to inculcate and illustrate an attitude of heart, a lightness of spirit in the face of all the world can throw at you. At the center of this thing that motivates and gives color to the whole, you are to be like this because that's what God is like. So why do we take on this challenge of Jesus' words? Because if we say we're going to follow God, if we say we want to be like Jesus, then that's what he's like. Lavish, extravagant love. It looks different because we're not used to seeing it. But if we don't believe in this, then what's the point? Why are we here? Why are you listening to the live stream or the podcast? Like, what is the point? If we shouldn't try to make the world a better place and we shouldn't try to be different in some way, then what is our point? It's not easy. I'm not saying it is. But I think even if you don't, even if you don't know that you buy into everything in this book, even if you can't even put your finger on what your faith is right now, that's okay. But somewhere, I think, deep inside, we feel this sense of we should be better. Shouldn't we be doing better? Shouldn't somebody be doing something that they say that they value? Because I don't know. I've been really disappointed lately. I feel like, you know, I want more peace and less violence and more sacrifice and less selfishness. But that's not what I see. And it's frustrating because it's not what I see by people who say that they believe this. If this man, Jesus, if he told us to live in such a way, then I think he's worth hanging around. And we're going to keep reading that he's not saying anything that he's not willing to do. We're going to keep reading about Jesus' next couple of years. And he's going to live out everything he's called us to. He's, we don't have to do it alone. At the base level, on the days when I'm frustrated at people and I want to take charge, I want to say, God, can, can I enact justice on behalf of you? I'll do that. I remember that Jesus loved people he didn't even like, and that includes me. And I feel like those are the days when Jesus speaks and he reminds me. He reminds me that he's merciful to me, so therefore I can be merciful to others. This word, merciful, that, those, that phrase right there, be merciful just as your heavenly father is merciful, we tagged it on the end of that, but it's really, there's no, there's no page breaks in our Bible that we have the section headings. That's not how it was originally written. So that line, be merciful just as your heavenly father is merciful, tags on to our next section. If we're merciful, then verse 37 says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I like that visual. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like, 
when you try to fit something in, you know, like the, the trash, when I don't want to take it out and I keep squishing it down. So you can put more in, put more in, put more in. That's this generous love. God's trying to squish it down so we can add more to it. It's a good, it's a good thing. That's what his mercy is. His mercy is just pressed and crammed in as much as he can shove and give it to us. Now his mercy has got, we've got the two negatives. Don't do this. Don't judge. Don't condemn. We got two positives. Do forgive. Do give. So let's look first at those negatives. Now I say, you know, don't judge, right? Do you, that's easy to say to other people because I don't want anybody judging me. But I'm saying this to me today. I want you to read those words and say it to us. We're the ones that don't need to judge as well. And I like the way this is worded here by Richard B. Vinson. In this instance, we are to imitate God's kindness and patience rather than God's judgment as exercised through Jesus. So Jesus is like, he's judging. He's telling us not to. Like, let me take care of that. Do not condemn lest you be condemned is even more pointed than do not judge. Our role as Jesus' disciples is to not be the judge pronouncing the verdict or even the prosecuting attorney, but be a witness. And God remains the judge. So I'm feeling like this is me. This is my, I'm responsible for myself. And then when I have gotten it right, I can be an influence on others. So that's what I want us to look at. And I have to tell you that <laughs> as soon as you read something of the Bible, um, don't you see that you like, it's everywhere. Like I felt like every conversation I had with people this week, I was like, oh, I want to judge them. I want to condemn them. I don't like what they're saying. God, why are you bringing these people in my face this week? And he's like, ha ha, got to live it out. But I do think I'm like, okay, well, is this just my normal week? Like just because I'm paying attention to this now, or is this happening all the time? Is there a lot more opportunities I have to not judge, but I've just kind of put that in the back of my mind for a while. It's right forefront in my face this week. And I just feel like, okay, okay, God, how do I, how do I do that? I'm human. How do I do that? How do I not judge? How do I give space? I feel like, okay, Okay, not judging. If I'm not doing that, what do I fill my mind with when I come up across people who don't think like me, who are not acting like me, who know better? I think it's just giving space and hope for change. To not condemn them is to believe that they can be better. I want to be better all the time, and I hope people give me that grace. So I feel like I'm holding space for someone to change. Again, I might want to be very far away from them as that happens. I don't have to be right up close and their best friend. But I need to give them that space and hope that God can work on them just as much as I feel like he's working on me. I feel like that's just what it is. The do not judge and do not condemn. So if you're giving space, how could that look? Well, maybe it's how you communicate. I know a person who has every right to just be negative all the time, but they won't say a bad word about this person who's hurt them. And I compare that with, with someone else who just goes online and spews everything all the time. And I think one way we could just pull back from condemning and judging this week is just, just watch what we say in front of others. 
to give somebody that space to heal. And if you have a problem with them, go to them face to face. Take a break from, from talking about it online for a minute. Because that's where the true change happens is when you're face to face with somebody. Or maybe we can all critique organizations, but maybe let's jump in and start being that change. Start joining in and saying, if this is broken, I'm going to be part of the process to fix it. If we have those feelings, instead of just condemning others, let's be part of fixing things, changing things. Now let's look at the positives. Do forgive. Do give. Forgiveness. As we just listened to Anthony's story at the start of this, he said it didn't happen overnight. And I think sometimes we want to give up because we're like, well, I don't feel like forgiving today, so therefore I'm just, it's not going to happen. It's not like a a switch you can flip. (laughs) Sometimes you're going to have to say, God, I want to even want to forgive. Like, I don't even feel like forgiving them. Can you just get me to that step to want to forgive? And that's okay. That's, That's the first step. It's not linear. There's some days where you're like, I got this. I'm feeling at peace. I can let that go. And then something happens tomorrow and I'm right back at it. I'm grasping it again. That's okay. It's human. And that's, we have to realize that forgiveness isn't this straight line. It's not a switch, right? So what is it? It's this, it's this process of letting that go again and putting in God's hands. Because it's, it's better for our hearts when we do. But give yourself grace to know that it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be overnight. Forgiveness is not without accountability. Someone you forgive a person, but you can still watch them be held accountable for their actions. We're all accountable for our actions. We've all had to pay prices for things that we've done. And we need to expect that even if we're forgiven, we're still going to have to mend. We're still going to have to own up to what is ours. So forgiveness isn't just wiping it all the way in an accountability sense. So what is about giving? Giving this lavish generosity, it's just, it's intimidating, actually. I mean, I'm always thinking in my mind, but surely God doesn't mean me to give this much because then I won't have this. Those of you who are in our small group Tuesday night, we talked about, we have so much more. We have way more than we really recognize and admit. As Americans, as American Christians, as the church here, what are we doing? We have a lot. We give such a small percent of the lot that we have. That's all of us. There's all ways that we're all being asked to give. And it's not just money, you know? Giving of your, your time and your presence in people's lives. But But I can't tell you where that line is. I can't say like, well, God says to give. Now here's the line where you go up to this and then you're good. I can't say that. I just read the words that says give. Give generously. And we're all called to give. That's not easy. I want to draw lines. I want the actual facts and figures. I think you'll know. I think you'll know. That's what we're that's what we're doing here. But the bottom line is we're trying to act in a way that's just that's generous. 
that's lavishly loving and giving and doing good in the world. And it's not easy. It's not comfortable. And it's kind of gray. We're going to have to figure it out as we go. Every day in every situation. The way you're merciful today might look different than the way you're merciful in another situation. There's nuances and all these different details of what God's encapsulates God's mercy. And at each moment, you might have to react differently than you did the time before. But I think if we go back, if we go back to the very beginning, Jesus said, he said, but you who are listening, we got to listen in order to figure it out. We have to listen for God's spirit, for his, his communication to us to know how we are to react in that moment, how we are to sacrifice in that moment. But I think we can. I think he speaks. I trust that if he asked us to listen, that he's going to be communicating. Got to trust him. But again, I think that in all these ways to be merciful, it gives us more freedom than it even does the people we're being merciful to, if we're being honest. Just as Anthony said, he felt freer for himself. He didn't do it because they deserved it. He didn't do it for whatever they felt like forgiving. He's like, I forgave those people because I needed it. I needed it. So that's it. Those are our verses. It's not, doesn't take up very much space in the Bible, but man, it's huge, isn't it? And I don't preach this lightly. In fact, I like had stomach aches over praying about this scripture this week because I don't it's hard. I'm not living it out perfectly. I'm really bad at it some days. Don't look at me. <laughs> look to the example of Jesus. But I also say this. I come because I know that this isn't easy. Because I know some of your stories. And the very people who are your enemies are people who are close to you. Or who should be. They're people you have trusted. They are people who were supposed to love you. And they betrayed you. And so I know that when you think about this verse, that sometimes the people that come to your mind are the very people who said they believe this too. That's not easy. So thank you for being here, for being willing to try just a little bit. Because sometimes just walking in and saying, I don't even know, I'm just glad you're here. I know that's not easy. And I know that I don't say it lightly to be like, hey, just go be good and love your enemy. Like, I know it's hard. I want to be there with you and journey with you. And you're not alone. I don't think God asks us to do this alone. We're supposed to live in community. And God didn't just say individual followers of Jesus need to do this. He was calling people together as the church. This is what we need to do together. We're not alone. We've been talking every week, like, on this journey. On this journey, how do we live as redeemed people of Jesus? And I believe we need to listen to the Spirit and be merciful. Let's listen. Let's trust that we'll find the step forward for the next day. Let's be merciful together. I'm with you. You're with me. Let's do this. Will you pray with me? God, these are, these are high standards you have for us, and we fall short. 
and it's intimidating, but thank you for believing in us. Thank you for believing in us enough to give us these challenges and say that you know we can do it with your help, with each other's help. So thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for wanting us to be better. Thank you for you for having hope that we can change. Help us to offer that hope to other people, whether we like them or not. Help us believe that they can change and hope for it and live like it. Thank you for loving us. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.